Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I'm your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw, with me as always is nothing. Well, that sounded kind of dark and existential dread-like. Anyway, my point is, my normal companion, my normal co-host, small sip of whiskey, 
could not be here tonight. Small sip of whiskey is traveling to be with their family. Large vat of whiskey. It's the holidays. Anyway, the point is, as I record, I don't have any whiskey, but the spirit of whiskey will be with us always. Enough about that. It's not whiskey counseling. It's Star Wars counseling. So let's get into it. For this episode, I am tackling one specific grievance, and I don't want to say it's a fun grievance. It's a tough grievance. It's a sad grievance. It's a hard grievance, but it's one that I think a lot of us have felt. It was sent in by Johnny David. Here is what Johnny David says. I needed counseling after The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi simply because both broke my heart in saying goodbye to childhood heroes. No, they did not ruin my childhood. I'm talking about the desired effect these events had on me, as the filmmakers intended. This is, obviously, it's a big one. It is a big one. And I've done previous episodes of Star Wars Counseling where I think I've talked about kind of similar issues. I've talked about my appreciation for the sequels. I've talked about dealing with the bummer of not seeing Han, Luke, and Leia all together again one last time. But this one felt a little bit different in its approach and in its specificity about just feeling sad that Han and Luke passed away. So I was intrigued to jump in. I think it is a great topic. Of all the topics we've ever covered on Star Wars Counseling, this might be the closest to actual counseling, a thing I have zero actual training in. So I will do my best. I'm going to try to hashtag counsel responsibly. Is that a thing? It should be. Anyway. I want to say first off that I'm very happy to hear Johnny say that The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi did not ruin his childhood, because I tend to think of that as hyperbole. Obviously it is hyperbolic, but I think sometimes it's said with sincerity, with anger, with gusto, and it is terrifying, absolutely terrifying to imagine a sentient movie that could literally travel back in time and try to destroy your childhood or even prevent your birth. I'm so glad that films don't attempt to act out the plot of the first two Terminator movies, either of those plots. Now, in my own personal experience, I've found the only thing that ruins my childhood is my stupid adulthood. Everything seemed so much easier when I was a kid, but that was probably because I was a kid at the time. Enough about me, let's get into this very sincere adult grievance from Johnny David, this very understandable grievance. Now, if I am understanding this understandable grievance correctly, uh, Johnny is simply saying it's very sad to see Han Solo pass away in The Force Awakens, and then to see Luke Skywalker become one with the Force in The Last Jedi. He also mentions the intent of the filmmakers, so let's address that. In The Force Awakens, I think the intent is to be shocked, frightened, and saddened when Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, murders his own father. In The Last Jedi, when Luke Skywalker uses his Force power to project himself onto crate tricking Kylo Ren and saving the Resistance from certain destruction, thereby sacrificing himself and merging with the Force, I think it's meant to be bittersweet. Sad, yes, but not only sad. Those are my readings of the film's intents and my uh, personal interpretation. More on those in a bit. So my first bit of actual counseling is to just say, maybe you don't need any counseling 
anyone who is bothered by this because maybe it's okay to just be sad. There's nothing wrong with seeing a sad thing happen and then feeling sad. We all have different reactions to Star Wars. Some of them don't even make sense. When I watch Rogue One, it plays out for me like a beautiful tragedy. I feel for Jen Erso. I feel the triumph of her victory to help the galaxy and also honor her father's legacy, but also do it for herself. I feel the virtue of Cassian Andor wanting to make sure all the horrible things he had to do in the name of the rebellion weren't in vain. I want them to escape that beach and live to fight another day. I want them to live. I couldn't be more on the heroic rebels' side. And then, seconds later, I am cheering when that monster, that mass murderer Darth Vader is slaughtering brave rebels. It is a very confusing emotional time for me every time I watch Rogue One. My point is, Star Wars is an emotional roller coaster, and we all react to it in different ways. Some people just see the films as these fun, quirky, weird space adventure larks. Others of us... Uh, myself included, like to dig for all of the depth buried in the films, or sometimes right there on the surface. A lot of people think the romance between Anakin and Padme in the prequels is clunky and awkward. Other people are deeply affected and moved by their love and the tragedy of their romance. If you doubt that, just Google Anakin and Padme fan art. It is a fun and moving experience. So, if the passing of our heroes in the sequel trilogy makes you sad, it's okay to just be sad. We all react differently to every little part of Star Wars, and everyone's individual emotional reaction is valid. I also think it's okay to look at The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and simply say, these Star Wars films aren't for me. It's okay to say, I want my Star Wars to be a thrill ride with some ups and downs and laser swords and space monkeys, but nothing too sad, and then... The heroes win. The first six films aren't going anywhere, and that's okay. All that said, I think it's worth examining why these two deaths in the sequel trilogy do feel different than some of the deaths and some of the tragedies in the first six films. Because the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy sure have their fair share of sad stuff. Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is in many ways my favorite character in all of Star Wars, died in the very first movie ever. That's sad. When I was a kid and I did not know the happier ending of Return of the Jedi was coming, I was pretty bummed that in The Empire Strikes Back, Luke, my hero, got his ass kicked, got his hand cut off by his own father, all while failing to save his best friend from being turned into a large brown ice cube. That was sad. I had to live with that for a long time, but I hoped. I hoped it would all turn around in Return of the Jedi. And then the prequel trilogy. I mean, come on. The entire prequel trilogy is a tragedy. It introduces us to a caring young child who says, yippee, and then ends with him murdering younglings. Let's all enjoy Kit Fisto's smile while we can, because every Jedi we meet is going to die. They're going to die horribly, knowing for just one instant before their brutal deaths that they failed entirely, that the entire point of the Jedi Order failed. Not exactly a fun-filled romp from that point of view. 
But I think the first six films are different because when things make us sad, we can always look to the hope that is Return of the Jedi. The Rebellion's victory, Han and Leia's love, the defeat of Palpatine, the redemption of Anakin Skywalker, and the pacifist victory of Luke Skywalker. So for those of us who've been alive and fans for a long time, a happy ending has been the conclusion for a long time, regardless of all the other sad stuff that happens along the way. So it's understandable if you feel differently about the first six films than the first two films in the new sequel trilogy. I also think some people might have difficulty processing the deaths of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker because they've lived as legendary heroes in our hearts and the cultural imagination for so long. And because the way they've lived there is kind of unique. Because bad things happen to a lot of our cultural heroes all the time. But they never truly die. Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, these characters never end. Yes, they die. They die a lot. But they always come back in some way, shape, or form. New tales are told about them. Doctor Who doesn't die. The Doctor regenerates. James Bond doesn't die. He also regenerates, at least in my headcanon. Hopefully, we'll see Daniel Craig actually morph into Idris Elba in the next 007 movie, but that's a whole different conversation and podcast. My point is, it's hard to see these unique, specific legends that are Han Solo and Luke Skywalker have such a definitive end. It feels very, very definitive. Even if Thor dies in the MCU movies, we all know there will probably be another Thor someday, somehow, eventually. But with Star Wars characters, it feels like that's it. In the timeline of this character's life, that's where their story ends. Now, of course, like we immediately saw with Han Solo, it doesn't mean we're done telling stories about those characters, not by a long shot. Obi-Wan and Darth Maul both die in their first appearance, and we're still not done telling stories about those guys. But I understand that it feels different with Han and Luke, particularly if you grew up with them. It feels like, yes, we can jump around on their timeline and find different tales, but regardless of that... Here's where their mortal journey ends. And again, I think it's okay to say, I don't want to see that. I want Star Wars to be a thrill ride where exciting things happen, funny things, scary things, sad things, but ultimately the good guys win, some little murder bears throw them a party, and they all live happily ever after. I think it's fine to say that's what this main saga of Star Wars is for you, if that's the way you feel. As long as you don't get mad at other people for liking the sequel trilogy, then go enjoy Star Wars as a fantasy tale with a happy ending. But if you're struggling with the sequel trilogy, if you're struggling with Luke and Han's passing, and you want to feel better about it, here are some different ways to think about it. I think, first and foremost, we have to address the realism in our fantasy. I think that's a big part of what this is, is that the sequel trilogy, by continuing the stories of these youthful legends into their older ages, it adds a lot of realism to our fantasy, and personally, I think this is a very good thing. Star Wars could have just remained a fantasy if, culturally, 
no more Star Wars stories had been told. And I know there are some people out there who think, eh, well, maybe that's the way it should have happened. But because we want to, as a culture, spend more time in our fantasy world, we have to accept more reality. We have to see Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa and even Admiral Akbar as people who age, as humans and large fish people who continue to face challenges. And this is not unique to Star Wars. Everything that can be sequelized or prequelized is getting that treatment. Everything from Twin Peaks to Gilmore Girls to Will and Grace to Captain Picard on CBS All Access. They're all wrestling with showing us the reality of our beloved fictional characters facing the very real challenge of time. Soon Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones will explode on the screen with even more content. And even when it's prequels and you're not seeing the original heroes age, the world is still being fleshed out a bunch. And every little detail starts making the original less a, a flight of fancy. It's less uh, tip of the iceberg storytelling and more, hey, look at our massive iceberg storytelling. More and more realistic world details full of history and things that were once mysteries become concrete answers. It is simply the nature of of telling more story. And I, for one, am okay with that. I think looking more closely at reality is a fair price to pay to spend more time in worlds of fantasy. George Lucas said at the last Star Wars celebration that Star Wars is for 12-year-olds. I don't think he was saying you have to be 12 to enjoy it. Obviously, you can enjoy Star Wars when you're 2 to 112, anywhere in that age range. Once you get to 113, that's too far. Just let Star Wars go. I'm kidding. Never let Star Wars go. Anyway, I think that George Lucas meant that Star Wars is for 12-year-olds because it's about making those important life choices as you grow up. Do you face your fears? Do you lash out in anger? Do you help people when they're down? Or do you turn your back on them? Do you know when is the right time to stand up and say, this is wrong and I will fight? Is there any acceptable reason for Wu Hair to refuse service to droids in the cantina? All the questions we face when growing up. And I think in the sequel trilogy, it's beautiful to look at the truth that we never stop having to ask ourselves those questions. That somewhere deep in our hearts and souls, we are always 12-year-olds taking our first step into being adults. So all of that is to say that I think even to begin to accept the deaths of Han and Luke, you have to accept that your heroes, while older, are still fighting, still striving to be the heroes they know in their hearts they can be. Their journey is not complete in an Ewok village party. I think the next step in trying to feel better about their deaths is thinking about why those deaths happened. As many people observed and commented before The Force Awakens even came out, Han Solo was probably gonna die because Harrison Ford probably wasn't going to do more than one movie and he'd also been suggesting Han Solo should have died to anyone who had listened since the 1980s. So... In some ways, not a surprise, but that's a very pragmatic, real-world answer as to why did Han Solo have to die. So let's take a look at narratively why did Han Solo and Luke Skywalker both pass on. How did it serve the story? How did it serve them as characters? How did it serve the other characters? And what can we, the audience, the 12-year-olds of all ages, take 
from their final moments. Now, before I get into this, let me acknowledge a certain level of optimism in myself. I can be very cranky. I am tempted toward the dark side of anger and fear a lot. Ask anyone who has ever had to live with me or even go on a particularly long car ride. But I strive to look for the bright side. And when I saw my childhood heroes fall in those movies, I felt it. It hurt. And without even thinking about it, my mind immediately started looking for the hope within the sadness. That's just the way I'm built. So that's where I'm coming from. First, let's talk about Han's death. I believe it to be a heroic death. First, he insists that they all turn back. Finn, Rey, Chewbacca all have to turn back and try to blow up that oscillator from the inside. The galaxy is counting on us, he says. This is a Han Solo who has come to know himself. In his youth, Kira told him, this is who you are. He didn't listen. In A New Hope, he tries to deny who he is. He leaves the rebels to be destroyed by the Death Star, only to come flying back in at the last moment with a yahoo and a well-placed shot. Han doesn't need to relearn that lesson in this moment. He is the one now who has the wisdom to know the galaxy is counting on them. So I think Han Solo is a hero the moment he says, this isn't just about us we have a responsibility. So they go back, they plant the charges. Then, when he sees his son, Ben Solo, this is, to me, the even deeper heroic moment. Han could easily walk away. He would prefer to walk away. But Leia specifically asked him, if you see our son, bring him home. Now, Han has always struggled with his feelings. Maybe he wasn't the best father, Maybe he really did fail Ben. Maybe it's not his fault. Maybe he just didn't know how to be a father. He just didn't know how to connect to this young boy that was Ben Solo. But he knows for Leia's sake, for Ben's sake, maybe for the galaxy's sake, he has to try to reach him. Now for Han Solo, hauling Wrath Tars and fighting bounty hunters, that's just a boring day at work. But telling his son, we miss you, is the scariest, bravest thing he can do. But Han still does it. He tries to get through to his son. And in that scene, that hard, painful moment, he does not succeed. But to me, that is a good lesson. We shouldn't only accept challenges when we know we're going to win. Han did the brave thing trying to connect with his son. And that's something the 12-year-old inside me needs to hear. You're not a hero because you win all the time. You're a hero because you try. And just to be clear, Han knew what he was doing. He's been around Force users. He's been around all the bridges that have no guardrails that the galaxy has to offer. He might not have wanted anyone to tell him the odds, but I think he knew they were very low. But he did it anyway. It is a very Han Solo thing to do. And even after his son ignites that blade, Han is still being a hero. He doesn't give in to fear or anger. He reaches out and he touches his son's cheek. He reaches out to Kylo, to Ben Solo, and tells him in his gruff Han Solo way that he still loves him, even after 
this horrible thing that his son has done. It is a hard, challenging, sad moment. But also, the story isn't done. What will that moment mean to Kylo going forward? Will he ever be able to escape it as he fights to resist the light? Is this the moment that will change everything for Ben Solo and maybe the whole galaxy? Narratively, Han's death shows us the challenges and the growth of his character. It propels Kylo on his journey. It propels Rey and Finn on theirs. Han Solo's heroism affects Rey. She knows Han Solo was a good man. She saw it. She knows he fought to do the right thing, even after his first instinct was to just run away from it all. Both Han and Luke are the mentor figures in the sequel trilogy, and like all mentors, they need to not only inspire the next generation, but make room for them to lead, make room for them to follow their own path. Narratively, they need to make room for the exact same reason that Obi-Wan Kenobi had to go way back in 1977, because otherwise he would have been up there in an X-Wing trying to blow up the Death Star, or... Just back in the base on Yavin, looking at computer screens, the deaths of both Han and Luke are hard, but they're grounded in the mythic nature of Star Wars, the bittersweet but powerful cycle of the Master and the Apprentice. And it might be hard for those of us, particularly who grew up with Luke and Han, to see them move from being the heroes to the mentors, but I think it is natural and powerful. So... With that in mind, let's talk about Luke Skywalker. I think Han's death is sad. There are no two ways around it. I find his actions brave, noble, and inspiring, but there's no way around the fact that he does get stabbed by his son, falls into a dark chasm, and the world he's on seems to explode with stolen solar energy and become some kind of new heavenly body. It's a weird, messy, sloppy way to go, but Han Solo never did things small, quiet, subtle, or clean. Luke, on the other hand, passes away with peace and purpose. We know because the film just straight up tells us that. Both Leia and Rey feel it so clearly. I choose to believe that Luke, in his final moments, reaches out and connects with them both. He does not want them to wonder. He does not want them to be sad. He wants them to know he made a choice, and he's off to his next adventure. Luke's death is one of the biggest emotional roller coasters I've ever experienced in a theater. There was this joy, this triumph of realizing he had used his awesome power, his unimaginable mastery of the Force to trick Kylo and save the Resistance. Then, the dawning horror when I realized the toll it had taken on him. And then, the joy I felt when he struggled back up to that rock. And then, the bittersweet sadness and, yes, peace I felt when he stared at the twin suns and disappeared into the force. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, I say bittersweet peace for a few reasons. The fact that Luke knowingly sacrificed himself to save the Resistance, and he found a way to do it that did not compromise himself or his beliefs, he didn't hurt anyone. He'd been told again and again by Rey that his sister Leia knew the galaxy needed hope. She knew that Luke and the Jedi were that hope. Luke died knowingly giving the galaxy what it needed. He faced down the whole First Order with nothing but a laser sword, and he immediately passed into legend. And that was not an easy choice for Luke. Just like us in the real world have to wrestle with the tension between reality and fantasy, so did Luke. He wanted to be seen for what he felt he was, a Jedi Master, yes, but still, a flawed human who couldn't just fix everything by slashing at his enemies with a lightsaber. But he realized and accepted that the galaxy needed to see him as a hero, as a legend. So he let them. And as hard as it is, Luke just straight up says he came to Octo to die. He felt he'd done good in the galaxy and that he'd failed. 
Like all of us in reality, he had great triumphs and crushing failures. And I think Luke was ready to move on. And for me, to see how far Luke Skywalker had come was powerful. It was a joy that offsets the sadness. Luke Skywalker goes from a frustrated, dreamy farm boy longing for adventure on desolate Tatooine to Jedi Master Luke Skywalker high atop the ocean, perched on the pinnacle of the first Jedi Temple, longing for peace. And what's more, I don't think Luke Skywalker truly dies not in the same way that Han does. I believe Luke has mastered what so very few Jedi before him have, the ability through meditation and selflessness and Jedi trials to retain his consciousness within the living force while merging with the cosmic force. When I see that look of peace and purpose on Luke's face before he disappears, I see something even more. I see a glimmer of excitement. He studied the Force for so long, and now he gets to truly be a part of it. He gets to take that next step into an even larger world. He gets to have another adventure, the kind he has dreamed of since he was a farm boy back on Tatooine. Luke Skywalker technically dies, but he is not gone from this world. We know that because of that mystical and powerful thing called the Episode Nine casting sheet. It's just confirmed. Mark Hamill is in Episode Nine, presumably playing Luke Skywalker, not his cousin, like Duke Starwalker. Now, of course, it could be that Luke only appears in flashbacks, but I don't think that's the direction they'll go. I feel like we will see the shimmering force ghost of Luke Skywalker, maybe even some twists on what we've seen force ghosts do before. But at the very minimum, I think we'll see Luke Skywalker share his insight, his wisdom, his humor with our heroes and with us. Narratively, Luke's action of projecting himself to crate is made much more powerful by knowing it will cost him his life. It is a selfless act, and it makes it all the more powerful and impactful. And also, by becoming one with the Force, Luke truly passes the mantle of Jedi to Rey. If Luke survived in corporeal form, the same tension would still exist as it did in The Last Jedi. I believe Leia and Rey would have been like, uh, hey, uh, Luke, it's, it's truly awesome. You Force-projected great. That was very helpful, but... Are you really now just going to continue to sit on that island milking the Thaw Sirens? There's, there's still a lot of war to fight, buddy. And that right there would be repetitive. I think a lot of the sequels are about learning from the past, but taking up the responsibility of forging the future. Luke shared with Ray the knowledge of the past, the risks, and the hope. And as he powerfully tells Kylo Ren, Luke Skywalker knows that he himself will not be the last Jedi. It is up to our new hero, Rey, to take the Jedi into the future. That is her path now and hers alone. And really, between Obi-Wan, Yoda, Luke, possibly Anakin, she's got a whole council of Force ghosts to turn to. She'll do fine. So while there is a great deal of sadness in Han and Luke's death, I think if you look at them from a certain point of view... There is such great 
heroism in them. There is narrative necessity based on the stories that the sequel trilogy is telling of the older generation passing the torch. And perhaps thinking of that will offset some of that sadness. So to review, I think there are lots of ways to process the true sadness of seeing our heroes pass. One way to embrace it is to just embrace it. It is sad. And that's okay. Sometimes storytelling can just be sad. Another way to look at it is to focus on the narrative importance of masters moving on so the students can lead. Another way to cope is to, yes, allow the sadness, but celebrate the ideals of heroism in these characters' deaths. To celebrate how much their deaths honor the lives they strive to lead. It's also helpful to remember that death is and always has been a part of Star Wars. And just because we know how a character's story ends, that does not mean we are done telling stories about that character, not by a long shot. Sometimes, if a character dies, it means we're going to hear even more about that character. And finally, we can always turn to our old friend, Headcanon. This all happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We're not even sure who is telling us this story. All of Star Wars has an unreliable narrator. As Timothy Zahn described at a convention, the movies are just one version of the story. He told a fan that was sad about the Legends content not being canon that Legends wasn't just a name, it was an idea. Perhaps Luke Skywalker went on to marry Mara Jade. Perhaps Han Solo had three children with Leia Organa. Perhaps Chewie really did get crushed by a moon. That probably doesn't help, but you get my point. Perhaps, like the movies tell us, Han Solo gave his life trying to save his son and honor his wife's wish. Perhaps Luke Skywalker sacrificed himself to save his sister and the Resistance and give hope to the whole galaxy. Or perhaps there are even more versions of the legend left to be told. Perhaps in some third or fourth versions, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker are still out there. Together again. How are they doing? Same as always. That bad, huh? Perhaps they're out there fighting alien invaders. Dark lords are just struggling to raise their children without them going evil. Perhaps they're racing ships or exchanging war stories in some exotic cantina mounted on the back of a huge dragon lizard wandering through the giant flowers of some bizarre alien world. Who knows? Whatever they're doing, wherever they are, they're doing it with charm and wit and flawed humanity. They are fighting for hope and freedom and facing their demons, trying to be the best versions of themselves they can. Because no matter what fate might befall our heroes, the ideas they fight for will only die if we let them. As Luke Skywalker once said to Leo Organa, no one's ever really gone. And I choose to believe my hero, Luke Skywalker. Anyway, I hope that helps with your grievance, Johnny. It was a very honest one, and I think a one that a lot of us struggle with. So thank you for the opportunity to think and talk and share my ideas about it a little bit more. If you have a grievance, a deep, serious one, a silly, fun, wacky, dumb one, or somewhere in between, 
let us know. Send in your grievances or deep dive questions. Use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling if you're reaching out on social media. That is counseling spelled with one S. That makes it much easier for me to find all those juicy grievances. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social media as at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed. You can check out all of my comedy albums and shows all on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter as at Force Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. And until next time, as Han Solo once said, in a moment of brutal honesty I don't know how we're going to get out of this one that's it for Star Wars Counseling Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.